we're going to be in James chapter 4, and I realize your note sheet probably says James 10. We're actually going to do James 4, 6 through 10, not James 10, 6 through 10. There's no such thing as James 10. Your pastor, when he was proofreading the notes he made, messed up. It's not the first, it won't be the last. But I want to, I wasn't planning on talking about this part this morning, but I just found it ironically funny that last week when we talked about the first five verses in uh, James chapter 4, we talked about quarrels and how to avoid quarrels and why we quarrel, all that sort of stuff, right? And a multitude of you have come up to me this week, sent me messages, told me things right after service, stuff like that, about how you were immediately placed in a situation to quarrel. It's almost as if God's got a sense of humor. I hope that you listened well to the words of Scripture last week, and you listened well to the words of Scripture this week, but I just found that funny, that as, uh, as soon as we were done, God's like, did you listen? Here's some examples. We'll leave it at that. But today, we're going to finish out the paragraph that we got halfway through last week in James uh, 4, 6 through 10. And the reason that I split this up when I normally don't split up paragraphs is because while they are the same basic premise, the first half deals with quarrels and why we quarrel and stuff like that. The second half deals with a topic that is directly related, but all the more difficult because of it. We're going to talk a little bit about, hum actually, we're going to talk quite a bit about humility this morning. Raise your hand if you're a humble person. Good, everybody passed the test. None of you are like Moses who said he was the most humble man to ever live. It's pretty humble, isn't that? We won't go there. James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. It'll be up here on the screens as well. Read it with me if you will. You would, oh, nope, that's verse 4. Verse 6, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. First on your note sheets, number one on your note sheets, if you grabbed a bulletin there, God is clear. God is clear. I do my best not to hide things from you guys. So I'm going to be very transparent with you. I am an extremely prideful person. I always have been. If I may say a few things without trying to sound too arrogant, I know I'm a good singer. I know I'm a good speaker. I know I'm a good actor. I know I'm fairly intelligent, not as intelligent as others that I know, but fairly intelligent. I know all these things about me. God created me that way. The issue is that I sometimes, most of the time, know those things too well. So first off, I want to point this out before we even jump into the scripture. Humility is not denying what you are good at. God gave you talents, gifts, and abilities, and he expects you to use them. And to not go, no, I'm not like that. Meekness and humility is not saying you're not good at something when you are. 
Meekness and humility is recognizing who made you good at it and giving him the glory because you're good at it and using that thing. So I just want to make that clear off the jump. I don't want to hear any of you go, well, I'm not good at this. Yes, you are. Knock it off. Because what that is is called false humility, which is also a sin. We find that in one of the letters to the Corinthians, I believe. So, number one in your note sheets. God is clear. He's pretty darn clear that he is opposed to the proud. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud. He is in opposition to them. He is their enemy. He is against them. And let me ask you this rhetorically. If God is against you, do you stand any hope of winning? Not at all. So the first thing you need to ask yourself if you feel that God is in opposition to you is, am I struggling with pride right now? Because the odds are you are. Notice this. I didn't write this on your note sheets, but you might want to write it down. What was the very first sin? This is not a trick question. Pride. Who was prideful? Satan. He wanted to be God. And he's cast out of heaven. And I would wager. I think I actually have money in my wallet today. Twenty. Twenty-three dollars. And a Hershey's kiss. Twenty-three dollars and a Hershey's kiss. That almost every single sin. Its root. Is pride. It was the first sin, it is the last sin, it is the sin that, that covers every other sin. That's one of the reasons God is so opposed to pride. There is no way to be prideful and not be sinning. I'm not saying you shouldn't, if you've got kids or grandkids, right, take pride in what they're doing. That's not the type of pride we're talking about here. We're talking about you building yourself up, putting yourself up, Above other people. And God is opposed to it. And he stand, And it's not just an opposition. Right? It's not. I'm going to use a football thing here. Right? It's not the 2017 Cleveland Browns who went 0-16 facing other teams. That's not really opposition. I could probably beat them if I tried hard enough. This is an opposition that you cannot beat that you cannot even stand against, and it is direct, and it is active. It is not passive. God does not sit there and go, well, I'm opposed to you being proud, but I'll let you go. No. God says, I am opposed to pride, and I will stand against it at every turn. Isaiah 42.8 tells us he does not share glory. God is a jealous God, and he does not share his glory with anyone. Pride is wanting the glory for yourself. And God doesn't share glory. And quite frankly, there is no other being that deserves glory outside of God. So if you're trying to have glory, you're stealing some from God. God doesn't allow that to happen. So if you're in a place where you feel like God is opposing you, first ask yourself, how prideful am I being right now? 
Because the odds are you're being prideful and God has set himself up against you. Now the great thing is, right, the great thing is, the opposite is also true. The second part of verse 6 says, but gives grace to the humble. God is opposed to the proud. He's on the side of the humble. When you see people that it just seems, Christians, I'm not talking about unbelievers here, right? Christians, that it just seems like they pray for something and it happens. And they're working in the will of God. And yes, things are hard, but things are happening for them. And God's kingdom is going forward and it's this amazing thing. And we talk about it all the time. Look at the person. Odds are they're humble. And they don't want any of the glory for themselves. They're doing it because they love their Savior. And they want to see other people love their Savior. The cry of their heart is that the whole world would know their Jesus and love him like they do. God gives grace to the humble. Grace here means a plethora of things. It's not just grace as in forgiveness and stuff like that. It's grace as in power. It's grace as in strength. It's grace that, that covers these things, that allows you to keep going in the midst of things. God gives grace to the humble. It's the humble person that can stand strong in the midst of trials and tribulations because God gives them the grace to keep going in it. So you got to ask yourself this morning, are you being humble or are you being prideful? I can't answer that for you. I can say that most of the time you're probably being prideful. It's the nature of who we are. It's why God tells us to be opposed to it as well, to work against it in our own lives. Number two on your note sheets, our requirements. For Actually, let me, before we go there, before we go there, right, let's put this back in the context of what we've been talking about last week, right? Quarrels. And we talked about if you read the beginning of chapter four, what is the source, source of quarrels and conflicts among you is not the source your pleasures, Right? If you are being prideful, you want your pleasures done. You want your desires. It's not just greed, it's pride. If you're too prideful, you're going to quarrel with people around you. You're a humble person. You never see a humble person just taking big old haymakers at somebody's face. It just doesn't happen. Humility is wrapped up right in what we talked about last week, about avoiding quarrels, about being at peace with those around you. The humble person is at peace. Other people might not be. The world might not be, but the humble person is, and they don't quarrel. Now, number two, our requirements. Our requirements. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This harkens back, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus resists the devil using scripture. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He resists the devil, and the devil ends up having to flee from him. Now, there's a couple of different things that come with resisting the devil. First, you've got to have the armor of God on at all times. And if you are not consciously choosing then you have taken it off. It doesn't just stay on. You don't just get to go, hey God, I spent 15 minutes with you in my devotionals this morning. I'm good for the rest of the day. No, you're not. It comes off pretty darn quickly. You've got to constantly be keeping that armor on. 
And in the next uh, couple of months, we're going to spend some time talking about the armor of God. But the fact of the matter is, you've got to have it on. Secondly, as we just talked about in Matthew 4, you've got to know Scripture. That's what makes the devil flee. He's not scared of you. You can't scare Satan or any demon for that matter. They're not frightened of you. You have zero power and authority over them. Now the one who is in you has all power and authority over them. And they have to respond to him. Pride says, I can take it on. I can deal with this. Humility says, I got to hide behind the one who's so big they can't even get around him. They can't see him. The top of him, he's so big. And lastly, there is one area of sin that God says you need to flee from. You don't stand and fight youthful lusts. You don't stand and fight against sexual sin. You run from that one. Could you beat it? You could. Is God strong enough to beat sexual sin? Of course he is. The issue is, when we see sexual sin coming, we just start taking off the armor like it's nothing. The rest of them, we try to fight at least. Those ones, we start just stripping down. So God says, run from that one. So you are to resist the devil either by retreating, yes, retreating, or standing firm against him in the armor of God with scripture as your sword, as your weapon, right? Secondly, you draw near to him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's this awesome, uh, the men are doing a Bible study as well, right through uh, uh, the book of Hebrews 11. Not the book, but Hebrews chapter 11, I should say. And in the, the first session that we did, our video said something that I've, keeps coming back to me over the past month, essentially, right? That the closer you are to God, the bigger he is. Think about it like a mountain. You see a mountain off in the distance, and it doesn't look that big. Yeah, you know it's tall, but it doesn't look that big. As you get closer and closer and closer to it, you start not being able to see the top. Then you can't see the middle. And soon you can't even see all the way around it to the edge of it because you're close to it. That's what God is. The closer you draw near to him, the bigger he is to you. So it says draw near to him. You want to resist quarrels? You want to resist pride? Be in the presence of God, in the presence of the cross. You tell me how you could possibly be prideful when you are staring at the cross of Christ. When you are standing in the presence of God, tell me how you could be prideful. I haven't been able to figure it out. So you draw near to him. That is your defense against pride. That is your defense against quarrels. You stand in the shadow of the Almighty. And you don't even cast a shadow at that point. Humble yourselves. So what does humbling yourself look like, right? So I never liked verses 9 and 10, right? Be miserable and warm and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. I like to laugh. I like to make watch things that make me laugh why would God tell me this but you got to put it in its context if you are a prideful person in the midst of pride it's better to be in mourning it is better to purify your heart and mourn and weep than it is for you to be in laughter and joy at that moment turn it all 
And I think what happens is, I, and again, this isn't in Scripture right here, so not a hill I'm going to die on, but what happens is, right, you draw near to God, and suddenly that pride that you had that you thought were so good, so great, you start to mourn that you ever had it in the first place. Because how could you when you're near the Savior, when you're near the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Now the great thing is he then comes and turns around and turns your mourning into joy. You turn your joy to mourning, he turns your mourning into joy. It's this great thing. But your joy then is not found in your gifts, your talents, your money, your possessions, your family, anything like that. Your joy is found now in him. So, let's talk uh, for a few minutes about some practical things you guys can be doing, and myself, we as Christians can be doing to humble ourselves, to apply it. First off, spend time with God, right? The bigger he is, the smaller you are. The closer you are to God, the bigger he is. The bigger he is, the smaller you are. Spend time time with him do it as a devotional yes I'm not telling you not to do devotions but sometimes in our Christian culture we get so caught up and wrapped up in I've got to do my devotionals that devotionals don't come to don't don't we don't spend time with God anymore we're just so busy doing our devotionals it's the same idea as you can come to church all you want to but if you're just coming to church you're not doing what God wants you to be doing Spend time with God throughout your whole day. Do your devotions. Please don't misunderstand me. Do your devotions. But spend time with God throughout your day. Talk to him. For Pete's sake, just talk to him. Yes, he already knows everything you're going to say. He knows everything you're thinking. He knows everything you're going through. He wants to know anyway. He wants to hear it from you. And he wants to speak truth and grace and love into you. Yes, he wants to make you like his son. Don't misunderstand me. It's not all going to be lovey-dovey warm stuff. Some stuff's, quite a bit of stuff's going to be hard. But when you're spending time with him, when your first reaction is not to get upset, when your first reaction is not to, to curse, when your first reaction is not to, I got to go tell this person, when your first reaction is, I got to talk to God about this. It's way harder to be, hum- to be uh, prideful. It's way harder to fight with other people. But here's the thing. You can't fake it. You can't fake it and go, I wanted to spend time with God. It doesn't work. You've got to intentionally do it until it becomes second nature, until every desire of your heart is to be with him and to spend that time with him. So, A challenge for this first one, for this week. Every hour, on the hour, just to make it simple, okay, that you are awake. Start when you first wake up and do it right before you go to bed. And then between there, every hour, on the hour, talk to God. It can be for 10 seconds. I'm not asking you to spend 15 minutes in prayer an hour. Just talk to him. You just say, hey, God. You know, this past hour has been kind of difficult, but I thank you that you're here with me. Give me grace for the next hour and keep going. That's all, that's all you got to do. But you'll find that your peace, your humility, 
it rises because you're spending time with the Almighty. Secondly, and I know from talking to some of you, and I am in the same boat as you guys on this one, that memorizing Scripture can be a very difficult thing. But it is of the utmost importance. I think that's why it can be so difficult. Because Satan knows. Why is it that we could remember, if, if, if somebody put on a song that I heard when I was seven, I could sing every word to it, but I can't remember what I looked at in Scripture yesterday. The fact of the matter is that memorizing Scripture is your greatest defense and offense. It's what Jesus did when Satan was tempting him. It's what we have to do. You have to know it. You don't have to know the reference all the time. Now, it's good to, but you don't have to know the reference all the time. What you have to do is know this book. Have parts of it memorized. A few um, tips to make this one easier and more specific for you. You all know where your sin struggles lie. I don't know where all of yours lie. I could make guesses probably, but I don't know exactly. But you all know where yours lie. Don't memorize scripture that, don't, that, 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 that doesn't have to do with them. I don't struggle with greed. So I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a lot of verses memorized that deal with greed. But I've always struggled with anger, with pride, with lust. You know, the common ones for young adult men. So I memorize scripture that deals with those. I have other scriptures memorized too, but I do my best to memorize scripture that deals with those so that I can use them when temptation comes. Choose specific scriptures. No overarching themes, but choose specific scriptures for you. God will let you know them. He knows this book the best out of anybody, anywhere. He'll direct you to the right ones if you ask him. I'm not saying go, okay, God, give me the right verse, and it might work sometimes. I'm not saying God can't do that. What I am saying, though, is God loves to use things like what we're reading on our devotionals. He loves to use things like what the pastor is preaching. He loves to use things like a song on the radio. He loves to use the circumstances and situations around us to direct us and point us in the right way. Pay attention. And memorize the scriptures that he points you to. If you want to be a humble person, and I want to be a humble person. Some days I don't, but most days I do. And let me give you just this great example, right? We're standing up here, and as we're finishing, um, I can't remember which song it was now. We're finishing one of the songs. And y'all are singing very loudly. It was great. And I was like, listen to them sing. I picked good songs this week. Next thing I know, my pick is on the floor underneath a chair. And I have to look somewhat like a fool to stoop down and pick up my pick. Then, my loving wife was a... I'm not making fun of her on this. My loving wife was very smart and started playing the next song so that I didn't have to. Covers it up a little bit. Great. It's a good musical thing to do. Anybody that's been part of a band or anything like that understands that, right? So I'm going to start singing the song, and I pick the wrong chord and have to stop. 
and wait for her to come back around again. Because God was saying, hey, you're a little too proud right now. Calm it down. Calm it down. Some days I don't want to be humble. Some days I want to be proud. Some days I really like the fact that God gave me certain abilities and gifts and talents. Most days I want to be humble. I'm just not. Paul tells us that what we want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do do. I don't want to be prideful, but I am. I want to be humble, but I'm not. So I got to draw near to God, nearer to God. Got to get closer to him. I got to fix my eyes on the author, perfecter of my faith. I got to fix my eyes on the cross. I got to keep scripture memorized that helps me. And I just got to spend time with him. It doesn't have to be large swaths, but I got to spend time with him. And so do you. One of the reasons I believe that we have reached people with this church since I've been here is not me. It is that there are a number of humble people who are willing to do the humble work that doesn't get recognized, that doesn't get lauded very often. Yet it's the work God wants done. And people get saved because of it. Not because of quarrels, but because of humility. Would you pray with me? Father, as we finish up the first half, really, of James chapter 4, I thank you that you, you saw fit to have James write and put these two subjects, topics, right together. Because too often we find ourselves fighting, infighting amongst each other, especially in the church. And you said, that's not the way. I want you humble. I want you pliable and usable by me. Father, help us to draw near to you. That's my first one, God. Help us to draw near to you. Because the closer we are to you, the bigger you are, the smaller we are. God, help those scriptures to stick in our minds. And I'm asking, because I know you you do this, I'm asking that when we face temptation, your spirit would bring the right scriptures to mind, to use, to stand on. Help us to resist the devil, to have him flee. Father, we praise you. I ask for uh, uh, just a glorious week for all of us here. Father, and it's in the name of your son that I pray. Amen and amen.